Good morning, church. Some, uh, it's not a good morning to you. Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, that's much better. Uh, may I have a short chorus again? I want a hammer as I am trying to sort myself here. Well, while you are there. We need to always be joyful in the house of the Lord, isn't it? There are times when we come, yes, we know there are burdens, but when we come into the house of the Lord, let us rejoice. Let us be joyful. And also prepare our hearts to receive what he has for us today. Shall we pray? We thank you, Lord, for today, for this morning. We thank you for the word you have prepared for us. May you now open our hearts, open our eyes, that we may see wondrous things in your word this morning. We pray that you may speak to each one of us and meet us at our point of need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Morning to you, Central Baptist Church, and morning to you, visitors, and you are welcome, and there are those who are visiting us also online, welcome. We are looking at um, Acts 15, verses 6 to 35, but we had to read up to verse 11. So let us look at the background to the chapter, entire chapter, you find that chapter 15 is a climax to an extended section of the narrative that begins in chapter 10. And where we saw that Peter was on that rooftop and his subsequent encounter with Cornelius. Thereafter, Barnabas and Paul were sent in Acts 18, this is 1 to 3, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Many people were saved and churches established between ch uh, chapter 13 and 14. As many people were coming to Christ, there were lingering and simmering questions from the Jews. Who can be saved? How can a person be saved? The Jew had always believed that salvation was through the law. Therefore, anyone who wanted to come to salvation should first convert to Judaism. This is where the whole issue began. They argued that way. No wonder 
the report of the widespread conversion of the Gentiles caused the Jewish Christians to fear that their Jewish heritage was threatened. They strongly felt that the converted Gentiles must be brought into Judaism through circumcision. This prompted some Jewish men to travel from the Je Jewish, Je sorry, Je Jerusalem church, though without the approval of that church, according to verse 24. When they arrived in Antioch, some of their teachers told that to be saved, Gentiles must be circumcised and obey the law of Moses, according to verse 5. This confusion troubled and unsettled the believers at Antioch and was followed by a sharp dispute and debate. Paul quickly realized that this dissension would derail all the work God had accomplished and would even threaten the progress of the gospel. Galatians 2, verse 2, shows that God gave Paul a revelation to take this matter to the Jerusalem church. This is where the problem had emanated from, and this is where it should be settled. Therefore, the church in Antioch sent a delegation to Jerusalem comprising Barnabas, Paul, and other leaders to attend the crucial conference. This became known as the Jerusalem Council. This, what, this is what brings us to chapter 15. Who can be saved? How can a person be saved? So you find verses 1 to 13 are a unit. And we will go through them rapidly. We looked at verses 1 to 5 last week. So far, is that clear? Can I proceed or I have to start again? Okay, thank you. Let me proceed and pick up the narrative from verse 6. The apostles and the elders called a council meeting to consider the Gentile relationship to the law. You find verse 12 and 22. There we see that the entire church participated in the council. And there were four key leaders who presented the case between verses 6 and 18, arguing that the door must be opened for the, gentile, for the Gentiles. So in verse 6 to 7, both sides wanted to express their views on the matter. So there was much debate. It was intense and animated. Meanwhile, Peter was listening intently, allowing others to express themselves. Then he rose to speak. So let's look at Peter's presentation in verses 7 to 11. He made five key points in his presentation. Number one, God chose him to, pre 
to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. In verse 7. He reminded the council that God had chosen him to speak to the Gentiles so that they might hear the gospel and believe. Jesus had given the keys of the kingdom of heaven to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 19. Peter had used the, those keys to open the door of faith to Jews in Acts 2, to the Samaritans in Acts 18, sorry, in Acts 8, verse 14 to 17, and then to the Gentiles in Acts 10. In Acts 10, Cornelius and his household were saved by hearing and believing and not by obeying the law of Moses. He proceeded in verse 8. God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. God acknowledged the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he had given the Jews when they believed. In Acts 10, verse 43 to 46, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying those things, the Holy Spirit fell on him, fell on all who had, who had him. And the, the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Again, they did not receive the Holy Spirit by keeping the law, but by believing God's word. Peter's argument here was simply this. Whoever believes in him will receive the remission or forgiveness of sins through his name. And Acts 10 verse 43 did not say, whoever believes and obeys the law of Moses will be saved. No. He did not stop there. Verse 9. God made no distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. For a long time, there was a dividing war of this hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews always felt that they were superior to the Gentiles. But Christ came to die for all mankind. Peter was saying there was no difference between Jews and Gentiles insofar as sin and salvation are concerned. Romans 3, verse 9. All are sinners, and all sinners can be saved. God demonstrated this truth when he cleansed and purified and changed Cornelius' heart and those of his household when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. In verse 10, Peter said, Remove the burdensome yoke. Peter observed that the law was a burdensome yoke upon the Jewish nation, but Christ had taken it away and offered his own yoke. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. The law was given to prepare the 
the Jews for the coming of Christ into the world. The law was a signpost. The law and all its rights were prefiguring the coming of Christ. The law can neither purify, can neither purify the heart, nor impart the gift of the Holy Spirit, nor give eternal life. Then Peter asked the Judaizers why they were putting God to the test by insisting on the law as a means for salvation. God had purified the hearts of the Gentiles and given the Holy Spirit, had he not? The Judaizers were now putting a yoke of the law on the Gentile disciples, a yoke the Jews themselves had never been able to bear. Paul calls it a yoke of slavery in Galatians 5, verse 1. The law is burdensome and unnecessary for salvation. So what is our hope? Verse 11. The only way to salvation for both Gentiles and Jews is through the grace of the Lord Jesus. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Therefore, Gentiles should not be forced to attempt what was impossible and unnecessary. When some say, unless you are circumcised and observe the law of Moses, you cannot be saved, our response is that we are saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus. When they say, unless you follow our sacraments, you cannot be saved. Our response is, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. When they say, you cannot be saved unless you are baptized by our own formula, we say, we are saved by grace through Jesus Christ. To add anything to Christ as necessary for salvation is to deny that Christ is complete, is a complete savior. That was Peter. And by the way, after saying this, you don't hear about Peter again in the book of Acts. Because he has done what he is supposed to do. He has now handed over to another group of people. So we move to verse 12. Peter's speech left the entire council speechless. There was complete silence. Here's the silence I'm hearing here. Huh? <laughs> After saying there was no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, the question ceased to be how Gentiles could be saved, but how Jews could be saved too. In, our, in other words, how are people saved? Everyone is saved the same way through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, 
not yet out of works, so that no one may boast. Believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If they were in this contemplative, this reverie, Barnabas and Paul shared their testimony. Verse 12. Condensed in verse 12 is a vivid description of the signs and wonders as well as the great conversions of Gentiles that took place between chapter 13 and 14. Here, they were not propounding any new doctrine, but giving testimonies of what God accomplished through them among the Gentiles. I was just wondering, among the many stories that they shared, I'm sure they were telling people about the conversion of Sergius Paulus in Acts 13, verse 12, at Paphos. The conversion of many Gentiles in Antioch Pisidia in Acts 13, verse 42 to 49. The conversion of Greeks in Iconium in Acts 14, verse 1. The healing of the laymen in Lystra in Acts 14, verse 8 to 10. In all this, Barnabas and Paul had preached grace and not law. And God had indeed opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, according to Acts 14, verse 27. Again, there was silence. So we proceed to verse 13 to 21. There was silence because they recognized the wonder the amazement of the gospel. Then James stood to speak a bit about this James. He was a half-brother of Jesus and a pillar of the church according to Galatians 2 verse 9. He was the author of the book of James and he had strong inclinations to the Jewish law. There are at least 10 references to the law in his book. This would make the legalist Judaizers comfortable with his contribution when he stood to talk. So let's hear what he said. Number one, he said, God had settled this whole matter even before Simon had gone to the Gentiles. Long before Peter and Barnabas and Paul were on the scene, God had revealed his plan through the Old Testament prophets. His argument was grounded in the word of God. For instance, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2, Isaiah 49 verse 6, Isaiah 10 verse 11. Second, God had visited the Gentiles. Look at verse 18 to 14. Just as God had visited and redeemed his people Israel according to Luke 1, verse 68, he had also visited the Gentiles through Peter's going to Cornelius, thereby accepting them into his kingdom. The Old Testament had designated Israel as God's people, and now 
Gentile believers were integrated, were included in God, as God's people. Peter would write about this later in, in, in the first Peter 2, verse 9 to 10. Let me quote verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the point. The prophets were in agreement with this, verses 15 to 17. James quoted Amos 9, verse 11 to 12, to illustrate that Jews and Gentiles would be united in Christ. This has always been God's plan, not an afterthought. But this will not be accomplished by observing the law. No. Amos never said anything about the Gentiles needing to convert to Judaism first in order to receive salvation. Did he? James was essentially saying there is no need to convert to Judaism first in order to receive God's gift of grace. Then he proceeded. He talked about the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David in verses 16 to 17. The tabernacle of David refers to the house of David, meaning his family, his descendants. This had been accomplished in the coming of Christ, who was a descendant of David. God has fulfilled his plan of reaching out to the Gentiles for himself. When Christ came to die for all the nations of the world, do not attempt to exclude others from the kingdom of God by placing upon them yokes and certain prohibitions. Then he concluded his presentation by saying God had planned it from eternity, verse 18. The message of the prophets has been consistent. Salvation for Gentiles was not contrary to God's will, nor his plan for Israel. He wants all to be saved. So he's offering. He offered us that way through Christ. So what is the conclusion of the matter? Verse 19 to 21. Therefore, James concluded, we should not cause difficulties for those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. Instead, let us write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from blood. These guidelines would address Jewish concerns and guide gender conducts. In verse 21, he assured the Judaizers that the law would continue to be taught in their synagogues. So let's look at the decision. The Jerusalem 
decision. Verse 22 to 35. The council, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, made a twofold decision, a doctrinal decision, and a practical or lifestyle decision. They agreed to send a letter. There was, the letter was concise and clear, warm and gentle in tone, but firm in its resolutions. The recipients were the gender Christians in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, verse 23. Representatives were chosen to carry the letter to Antioch with Barnabas and Paul. Two emissaries, both leaders of the church, according to verse 22, and the prophets, according to verse 32, were Judas Basabas, meaning son of rest, and Silas, meaning witty, also referred to as Sylvanus in Paul's letters. It was sent with gentleness and love. It seemed good to us. Verse 22. And the gender of believers were warmly greeted as brethren. Verse 23. It was sent from a united council. Verse 25. One accord. And the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Verse 28. The letter contained a censure of the Judaizers. We did not send them. Verse 24. A commendation of Barnabas and Paul and, and believers. Essentially, circumcision was no longer necessary. Circumcision used to be a marker to signify that one was in the family of God before Christ came. But Christ has come. Therefore, the Jewish believers should not impose burdensome, unnecessary, and impossible rules like circumcision and the keeping of the law of Moses upon the Gentiles. So the doctrinal decision was this. The council affirmed that the gospel that was told by Barnabas and Paul was correct. We are saved by the grace through faith in Christ and not works. Saved by grace, we stand in grace and should grow in grace. And this grace is extended to everyone, Jew or Gentile. That's the end of the matter. But let's look at the practical or lifestyle decision in verse 29. The letter also contained four prohibitions. The Gentiles were asked to abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, blood, things strangled, and sexual immorality. These things were repulsive to the Jews. But what does this really mean? Two things. Holiness. God has called us to holy living as a sign of his grace in admitting us into his kingdom. 
the focus was on personal holiness. God is holy, and his people must be holy. Watch your doctrine and your life. We should be vessels of honor rather than dishonor, sanctified for his use. Second, the prohibitions meant harmony. The prohibitions were also given to keep healthy relationships and harmony between a mixed community of Jews and Gentiles. It was a call for Christians from different backgrounds to learn to work together, to fellowship together, to promote healthy culinary practices that would encourage deep fellowship among them. We are not saved by following these guidelines, but we demonstrate that we are saved by grace when we live pure lives and are sensitive to other cultures. The result of the decision, verses 30 to 35, the delegation returned to the church in Antioch and delivered the letter the news was received with great joy and exuberance because it affirmed that God had opened the Holy of Holies to the Gentiles and there was no need to continue to carry the yoke of slavery. But how do you apply such a passage? Number one, preserve the doctrine. The way of salvation must, must be clear and correct. Verse 11, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Leaders in CBC, preserve this doctrine. Guard it jealously. Clarify it to members and teach it regularly and accurately. Dear friends, there is no other name or other way or method by which we must be saved. We are saved by grace through faith. Preserve the doctrine as demonstrated by the Jerusalem Council. Second, protect the flock from false doctrine. There are always people who worm their way in the church and pretend to be with us. However, their aim is to trouble the flock with words and unsettle their minds. These are wolves. Verse 24 says, we did not send them. Elders, protect the flock by teaching them the truth protect them with sound teaching so that they can detect and discard error. Again, this was demonstrated by Peter, Barnabas, Paul, and James. Number three, prioritize harmony within the body. Dear friends, let us learn to live and work together in harmony. Let us invite others to fellowship meals 
I hear yes, the intercultural lunches promote those men, right, young people, right, promote those. But as you do, you need to practice healthy culinary standards to promote deep and healthy fellowship. Otherwise, you don't want after the lunch, people complaining, ah, my tummy, ah, or the way you eat. So, so he says, unite around the word of God as you promote deep fellowship. We need to fellowship with one another. Exchange your culinary skills with one another as we fellowship with one another so that we can grow and foster harmony and unity within the church. Pursue holiness. CBC. Let us pursue holiness in our private lives. God is holy and his people must be holy. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the living God? You need healthy food, spiritual food. And again, you also need even the physical food. But this should lead to a physical, physical and a holy body, the temple of God. If you know that you are a temple of God, why then are you polluting that temple of the Holy Spirit with sexual immorality, with drugs, and reckless living? Some of you even visiting Angus. Why, friends? What do you want there? You are, you are bought by the blood of Jesus. We should be vessels of honor rather than dishonor, sanctified for his use. Last but not least, preach the word. Share your testimony. We see these as Paul and Barnabas and others were going, they were sharing this word. Verse 35 says, but Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with others also. Friends, as we go, reflect on these things and appropriate them in your lives. Shall we stand and see amazing things? Because it is indeed amazing.